0: Good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Good Let's try that again. Good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? There we go. There we go. All right, my name is Troy, my wife Darling. I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us on this summer Sunday, let me say welcome. We're so glad you're here. As Pastor Brian and Malcolm said, this is the Sunday to be here because you get to hear about the picnic. And I'm asking you right now via my heart: come check out the picnic. And here's why. Uh, as you, if, if you're visiting for the first time today, you've realized this. We set up in a school. We have a church uh, temporary in a school, and so most of the time that we're together as a church. Uh, our dream team, we are working, we are serving, we are putting up and taking down and, and uh, doing all of those processes. And we try to do an event like this where it's very little work, where we can just come together, lounge around, throw a football, throw a frisbee, throw some, throw some cornhole, eat a hot dog, eat a hamburger, and just hang out together. And so that's going to be an incredible time. If you, ha- as Pastor Brian said, if you've been coming or uh, you just came today, you say, man, I sure would like to meet more people. That's the opportunity to do it. So 5 o'clock, Sharp Springs, we'll be there ready. I'll be in shorts ready to beat everybody in every sport that we have out there. You ready? Y'all going y'all, y'all to make me a liar? It won't be that hard. But, yeah, but y'all should come out and do it. Cool? All right? Uh, real quick, if you are visiting, we're about four things here at Victory, uh, grow, guide, give, and go. That's what we do here, helping people grow to know God, helping guide people to find freedom, helping giving people an opportunity to serve in their purpose because we're here on purpose because you have a purpose, Malcolm was right, I will say it, and then going and making a difference. And we've been celebrating for the past, I don't know, 4 or 5 weeks the things that we as a church have been able to do recently in our community and globally to make a difference. We mentioned a few weeks ago that we took on our very first missionary as a church, Katie Carter in Costa Rica and how we started supporting her. We talked about what we did for the teachers here at Rock Springs Middle. Last week we talked about what we're going to do in July and how we're going to serve two Fridays at the food bank and we're going to serve at the 4th of July celebration. We're going to have a serve day where we do some things here at the school and a few other places. And just so many great things, but I could not wait to tell you about this. This is something that you did. Think, thanks to your faithfulness and thanks to your generosity, let me tell you what we got to do uh, a couple weeks ago. They say statistically in Rutherford County that one out of every eight people go hungry. And that's ridiculous. We're about to eat so many hamburgers and hot dogs and desserts that we're going to throw up on ourselves here in this evening. And the fact that one out of eight people go hungry is ridiculous. And then they say one out of every six kids goes hungry which is even more ridiculous. Um, and inside Smyrna, in the area of the town of Smyrna, is Second Harvest Food Bank. And they do so many different things from, uh, they send packages home with kids so they can eat during the weekend. They do senior packages that go to senior adults and all kinds of different things. And we have officially partnered with them as a church. And so like I said, we'll be serving in July and different things, but a couple of weeks ago... <clears throat> Because of you, I got the privilege to walk in. Do we have that picture? I want to show that picture real quick. I got the privilege to walk in with some of the folks on our uh, dream team, and we handed them a check, and because of you, we purchased 4,000 meals yeah. that day. That's what we did. Come on. Come on and give God praise. Y'all got to get more excited about that. 4,000 meals. 4,000 people are going to eat because of your generosity. You have got to celebrate that. You have got to be able to enjoy that. It's not all we're going to do, but it was the first step. This is Taylor in the middle. He's the director. We've connected great with him. And I'll never forget it. He said, he said I, I'm blown away that you are uh, uh, such a young church and you're doing so much. And I literally looked at him and said, it's because our church is so generous. And that's what it is. We're not here today to raise money because of money you've already given. We gave them enough money. <clears throat> to purchase 4,000 meals. Give yourself one more hand. Come on. Incredible. Incredible. All right, if you got your Bibles, open up to the book of James. Open to the book of James. As Pastor Brian said, we are in a brand new series that we will do for the summer where for the first time as a church, we are going to go verse by verse, um, expository teaching through the book of James. And what I really want to do is, is, first of all, the book of James is going to teach us so much throughout the summer, but I'm hoping that we really kind of learn how to study the Bible together. And so I do want to encourage you to do this. If you have a paper Bible, over the next couple of months, would you bring it? I know we're real big on on phone Bibles, and that's great, and I normally support that, and uh, stuff's on the screen. But if you can bring your paper Bible, and if you don't have one, we have extras, we'll give you one. And the reason for that is because you can highlight things and underline things and write little things that God tells you off to the side. And then in the future, as you sit down to read the book of James in your quiet time, the Lord will bring some of that stuff up to remembrance. It's just a really cool thing. And so I want to encourage you, bring that, bring a highlighter, bring a pen, bring a knife. You can cut your finger and do it in blood. You know, whatever, whatever it is you need to do to be able to really pour attention into that book. Cool? Um, so we're going to go through this, and I want to give you a little bit of context before we start reading it. Obviously, it is five chapters. You can read the entire book in about 15 minutes, but we won't read the entire book in one setting. We're going to do it kind of by headings. There's headings in your Bible, and we'll kind of go. So today we're going to cover 18 verses. Um, and, and so, but let me, let me break down the situation. First of all, this is written by a man named James. James is the half-brother of Jesus, okay? So James and, and Jesus' mother was Mary. James' dad was Joseph. Jesus' dad was God. And so their half-brother, uh, James, would go on to pastor a church in Jerusalem, and he was actually martyred or, or killed not too long after writing this book. Uh, he was thrown off of a building and then did not die from that, and they came over and, and, and eventually murdered him. And the, the, the theologians say that as they were murdering him, he was praying for those who were murdering, for him, murdering him. So this is an incredible man that we're about to read. But here's what I want you to really understand about what we're about to do as we read this. So at the time that James writes this letter, the church, the Christians, both new Christians, old Christians, they are all scattered, okay? They're scattered all over the world because persecution has begun to happen. Stephen, the very first martyr, was martyred, he's killed, and Christians are running around and they're hiding to, uh, to escape persecution. And so here's how the word gets out. There was not a Bible at that time. So James sits down and writes this letter, and he sends out copies, and mailmen or whoever they were at the time would arrive to these houses because churches were meeting in houses. They didn't have church buildings because the church was under persecution. So they're hiding, they're meeting in houses, and there would be a pastor who's meeting, who's pastoring those people, and the letter would arrive from James, watch this, and he would gather everybody in the house, gather, sit down, sit down, sit down, and he would open up the letter from James. James, and he would start to read. And he would read through the entire letter in one setting. So you think about it. What we're doing today and over the next couple months is very symbolic of the early church. Because me as your pastor, I'm opening up this letter from James, and we're reading through it and watching what James is saying to us, all right? So here we go. We're going to read verses 1 through 18 today, and then I will break it down for the rest of the message. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations Greetings. So James, that was his way of saying, sup? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you but when you ask you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind and that person should not expect to receive anything from the lord for such a person is double minded and unstable in all that they do believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since They will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. And in the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt any one. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. But don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created." Lord, we pray right now that you would make this word come alive, speak to us for your word is still alive today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. James writes this letter to a group of people that he knows are familiar with persecution. They, are they, they, they know Stephen got murdered for being a follower of Christ. And there's kind of an understanding in their culture, and when I say this, you'll understand that we tend to do this, where they feel like once they started to follow Christ, things should just become easy, Right? They had a hard time struggling with, wait a minute, now that I'm following Jesus, why am I experiencing persecution? Now that I'm following Jesus, shouldn't things be easy? You ever had somebody say this before? Like, I started following God, but but things didn't get easier, and so I don't know that there was really any reason in following God. Yeah, well, you've got it all kind of backwards and twisted. And so they're very familiar with this, which is why James jumps into it very deep. And here's what he's trying to tell them at first. Number one is this. He's trying to tell them that joy is a job. Joy is a job. Look what he said in 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Not if, but whenever you face trials of many kinds. James understands what they're going through. So here's what he says to them. Do not try to feel joy. Instead, decide to choose joy. Not feel it, choose it. That word consider in its original context, in the Greek, the word, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but you can see it on the screen, it's like hayage right? There it is, there you go, you're welcome. And, and the word literally meant to lead your thinking. <clears throat> so when he says consider, he's saying lead your thinking, <clears throat> When I, when, I, when I had that thought, I immediately went back to, do you guys remember when you were in like kindergarten or first grade and everybody had to go to the bathroom and they would get that rope out? Remember that? And the teacher would have the rope and all the kids had to hang on to the rope on different sides and the teacher was leading them to the bathroom. When I saw that, that was immediately the picture that came to my mind. And I imagined me with a rope and me telling my thoughts to grab on the rope and me leading my thoughts to where they wanted to go, right? Right? And here's what that means. That means if I choose to be happy, I can walk into a situation that's not happy and find happiness. If I choose to be sad, I can walk into a situation where there is no sadness and find sadness. Whatever I decide, right, let me give you a better example of this. Any of you ever been looking at a new car and you decided that you wanted to get a red truck or or a yellow bug? And you're like, that's what I'm going to get. And over the next two or three weeks, everywhere you go, you see that? You know what I'm talking about? Like like I decided I was gonna get a red truck and then I saw a red truck here, I saw a red truck there. It's not that all of a sudden God has issued an order of red trucks. It's just all of a sudden you have focused your thoughts those way. You, You have put that into your mind and so now it's more relevant and it was always there but now you see it, right? So here's my point. When you focus on joy, joy is always in your situation. It's just you don't always see it. And so when you choose to lead your thinking, this is what James is saying, consider it pure joy. Walk into your situation expecting to find joy because it's there, you just don't normally see it, right? This is why John Milton said it like this, your mind can make heaven of a hell and hell of a heaven. In other words, you can walk into a heavenly place and you will think it's hell. And you can walk into a place that's like hell and it feel like heaven because of the power of your mind. Casey Ray is in this season right now where she likes to say to us, this is the worst day ever. And here's what really makes it funny. She's four years old and she is so spoiled. Here's what a normal day would look like for her. She would wake up, come downstairs, eat Captain Crunch and watch the iPad. Then she would go to the YMCA and play on the playground with all of her friends and Braylon, they'd have a good little time hanging out together. And then she leaves and I'll probably take her to Chick-fil-A and get fries and ice cream. And then she comes home and eats her fries and ice creams while she's watching the iPad. Would you like that life? Anybody like those trials? Yeah, I'd like those trials too. And, and then, but when all of a sudden mom's like, hey, it's time for a nap, right? Ah, this is the worst day ever. And that's what she says. And we have to correct her. It's not true. This is not even near the worst day ever. It's just you no longer feel Joy. You felt joy while you were eating kinder eggs, right? And watching My Little Pony, but now that you have to go take a nap, you don't feel joy anymore, so it's a horrible day. And James is saying to us Christians, stop trying to feel joy, because you're not always gonna feel joy, because pure joy is not a feeling, pure joy is a decision. When you decide, I'm gonna have joy, despite you will see it, despite everything going around. I'll give you an example. How many, oh, I won't ask you to raise hands, if you're in here and you have to go through I-24 traffic to get to work every morning, right, this is not an unexpected trial for you. You know it's coming. So James says, hey, know it's coming. Trials are, can I just tell you, church, trials are coming. You're either A, coming out of a trial, B, in a trial, or C, about to go into a trial. And you'll see in a point two why. And so when you understand that trials are coming, see, you know the traffic jam's coming. But you don't drive your car into the traffic jam and go, I'm going to try to find joy. I'm going to see if I can discover joy in this traffic jam. Probably not going to find it. But if your goal was to develop joy, and if you made yourself a 90s R&B playlist, right? KC Jojo and Juvenile, Juvenile. Lord, I pray right now for repentance. <laughs> Memphis Troy done came out. Ha! Ah! Get behind me, Satan. Here we go. All right. Back focus. Uh, don't make that on your playlist. So if, if you make a playlist or if, if you downloaded some leadership podcasts or got our app and listened to it and you arrive into traffic with something to produce joy, right? I've lost y'all with juvenile. This service is over. We might as well pray and go to the picnic. It's over. But That's my point, you're developing joy, you're not trying to discover it. There's difference, right? And this is the moment where you understand this, my joy is my job. My joy is my job. Here's what I've learned, my joy is not your job. My joy is not my wife's job, my joy is not my kid's job, my joy is my job. Paul understood the same thing. And he tells the church in Rome, very similar, watch this, in Romans chapter 5, 3 and 4, we also glory, I put rejoice in parentheses because this is what he meant by that, we also rejoice in our what? Sufferings or trials. Because why, Paul? Why do we rejoice in that? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And so there's a purpose in what I'm going through. So both James and Paul, hear me, are not asking you or telling you to feel joy in the midst of your trials. It's not going to happen. They're asking and telling you to search for the purpose of the trial or the suffering that you are going through and find joy in that. If you can ask God, what is the purpose of this? Why am I going through this? Because God is a good dad. And so when my daughter throws a fit for taking a nap, I don't go, okay, you don't have to take a nap. Why? Because she's going to feel horrible later. And so although she doesn't like it now, and although to her it's a trial and suffering now, I understand that it's going to produce something in her. And so God says, you got to go through it because I'm producing something in you. So when we find the purpose in it, we can choose to have joy in it. And watch this, we will start to enjoy what other people endure. That's a Christian life. That's what makes people go something different about you because you are enjoying what everybody else is enduring. Why? Because I see purpose in it. Because I choose joy because joy is a job. The world says, what makes you happy? No, 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 no. Joy is your job. It's a job. Next, he tells them this. Trials are a test. Okay? This is how we know joy is a job and how we choose joy when we understand trials are a test. So he says in verse 3, the testing, there it is, of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Let it finish. Look at your neighbor and say, let it finish. All right, you did okay. So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be Given to you. James says the trial you're going through is a test. And if you will let this test finish its work at the end of this test, you will be both mature and complete in your faith. Tests have a way of revealing what area of our life is not ready for the next level. We have had tests all throughout our life. When you're in grade school, how do you know if you're ready for middle school? You got to take tests. If you're in middle school, how do you know if you're ready for high school? you got to take tests. If you decide you want to start driving, how do you find out if you're ready to drive? you got to take tests, right? When we talk about products, how do we know if products are ready to go out into the market? they got to go through a test. Everything has to go through a test. There always has to be a test that reveals if it's ready to be elevated to the next level or if it needs to go through the material one more time. See what I mean? So so the trials that we face in our life, what James is saying is the test that reveals if you are ready to go to the next level or if you need to go back around one more time and learn the lesson a little bit better so that your faith and your strength and your confidence and all of that is ready for the next level. Because, and you've probably all heard this, because at the next level there's a new devil, right? So if you're not ready for the new devil... You don't need to go to the next level. I thought, what is, a, what is a theological, what is a Greek and Hebrew depth example that I could give them where they could really understand this and we could break it apart into the, the early church? What would it be? And if James had the technology that we had, he would be talking about Super Mario Brothers. How many of y'all know what Super Mario Brothers is? Do you? Yeah, if you don't, we're buying you a Nintendo after this service. And you're coming to my house. So let me walk you through Super Mario Brothers. This is the first trial you face in Super Mario Brothers, right? Y'all, this look familiar? So when you're in level one, which means you just started, you are little Mario, young Mario. You ain't got no firepower. You ain't elevated to firepower. You don't have the little raccoon tail that makes you fly. You don't have the star that makes you go fast. It's completely pointless out of all of the help, right? But this is what you're facing. This is your trial. Now, there's not much about him. He looks scary. He's not much. All you got to do is jump up and land on him, and he's gone right? And he's got some friends, a little turtle dude, right? A little, little plant coming out of the, out of the little, little, little thing. And these are the trials. Watch this. But when you overcome this trial, when you finish this trial, then you might face this trial, right? Then you got this guy. He's not in level one. You know why? Because you ain't ready for him in level one. Because you got to still figure out how to use your firepower and all that. You got to learn how to use your ice power. So, so this would be, but once you can, can, once you can overcome him, and once you finish that trial, then, then, then oh, my goodness, now there's, now there's this guy. Y'all remember this guy? He'd be turning stuff into water and balls bouncing and all that kind of stuff. It's crazy. And, and I don't know if you ever tried to jump to him. He's difficult. He moves more than the mushroom guy. He can go up and down. Mushroom dude just goes this way, right? So the test is a little bit harder. But because we've overcome the previous trials, We have learned lessons and now we feel better. And once we can overcome him, then who's left, right? And then we got him. And there's our ultimate test. And once we beat him, we get the princess. (laughs) And we go kidnap that girl and take our boy Luigi and our little Yoshi dinosaur thing, and we go and we enjoy life. He says you get the reward. There are trials. Every time you go through a trial. It's trying to test you and see if you're ready for the next level of God's blessing and God's favor and God's faith. But it's the only way for him to know if you're ready is if you pass this test. Because at the next level, there is new blessing, there is new favor, but there is also a new devil. It's also a new trial. Some of you, you've been Christians for 10, 20 years. You could tell me, man, I remember the, the early trials. And I remember the later trials. And you're wise enough to know we're not done with trials. Trials are coming, right? And so I wanted to be able to say this statement to you. Once you know you're better for what you've been through, you'll find confidence that you'll be better because of what you're going through. So when you can look at trials that you've been through and go, man, I'm better because of that. When I went through that, I'm better because of that. And when you acknowledge that, you can look at what you're going through and what's coming ahead and say, I'll be better when I get through that. So I'll let it finish its work. And then here's what Paul says. Paul says, hey, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're a girl, whether you're a guy, whether you have, whether you have not, you're going to face trials. And then I love this. He said, and you can ask God for wisdom. Did y'all see that part? You can ask God for wisdom. If you are in a trial right now and you don't know why you're going through it, you don't know the purpose of it, and watch this, you can't overcome it if you feel like you face that trial and then you turn around and start again, and you face that trial and you turn around and you start again, and you, anybody have that moment where you just feel like you're doing the same board over and over and over and over, and, over, and you can't pass that trial? Well, here's the secret. I learned something about Super Mario Brothers because I'm horrible at it. If you fail a board five or six or seven times, then the next time it loads, there'll be a little green box. Have y'all seen this? Some of y'all ain't this bad, okay? There'll be a little green box with a question mark right at the very beginning. And if you jump up and acknowledge it, there'll be a little version of you that'll pop out. I think it's Luigi. He'll pop out, and he'll go and do the board for you. He'll literally do the whole board. I'm some of you. This is revelation for you. You cannot wait. You are going to finally defeat Super Mario Brothers when you get home. Like he'll just do the whole board for you and show you how it's done. James is saying, when you don't know how to beat the board, ask the guy who created the game. Ask wisdom from God. Why am I going through this? What am I supposed to do? Why am I still here? Five years I'm still doing this God why quit asking your friends quit asking Facebook and ask God the one who created what am I supposed to do and I know God well enough to know he'll go hey watch follow me and then you get through it that's the secret to the whole process I want to I be able to finish the work so I can get the reward there's a statement, well, hold on before you put that up. you can put that verse up. And, and here's the reward. Here's what James says in James verse 12, James 1:12, "Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love him. So joy's your job. Trials are test, and be, your goal is to let it finish. Let it finish. And then I had this statement I really wanted you to, to put into your heart. If you, you, you speed up your trials not by asking God to make them leave, but by asking God to help you learn. Some of you, you're going through something and you've been begging God to make it leave. It will not happen. It'd be like you being in third grade begging them not to give you another test. But you want to go to fourth grade. It doesn't work that way. So quit asking God for it to leave and ask God to help you learn. And if you learn from it, you will not have to face that test any more. Amen? Amen? And then it's almost like James takes kind of a right turn, right? He's been on this whole enjoy, choose joy and trials. They're a test. They're going to produce something. And then he just kind of, in my mind at first, makes a random right turn, and, and he starts talking about temptation. And at first I was like, this is kind of off weird. It's weird. But then I realized a couple of things through my study that made more sense. Number one, remember, he's talking to an audience that thinks when they experience hardship, they shouldn't because they're Christians. He's also dealing with an audience, watch this, that likes to get themselves in trouble and then blame God for being there. Sound familiar to anybody? So they like to fall into a temptation. I I had this illustration I was going to do, but I chose not to. Imagine uh, if a rat was to go into a or a mouse, go into a mouse trap, go for the cheese, the trap falls on him, and the mouse gets up and goes, God, what are you doing? Like, what's up? And that's kind of the concept, right? We fall into temptation. We do something that our, our flesh wanted to do. And then we go, God, why am I in this situation? And he also knew that that's what people were doing. And then to top it all off, watch this. The Greek word for trials was the same Greek word for temptation. So he knew that there was an excuse for them to get it confused. So this is why he busts out verse 13. You ready? It might be verse 14. Go ahead and give me the next verse. Um, Sorry, I know the point three is up. I'll come back to it of what it's called. Number three is drawn or dragged, but you'll get to that. Uh, So give me verse 13 real quick. Sorry, Paul. I know I'm killing you over here, brother. It says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil Uh, Nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. He starts talking about temptation, and he starts explaining the difference between trials and temptations. Here's where the third point comes in. He says, you need to know whether you are being drawn or dragged. You need to know whether you're being drawn towards God or you're being dragged away from God. And you need to know the difference between trials and temptations. Because if we don't, we will allow ourselves to fall to temptation, get in a moment and go, what's God trying to teach me from this? God's not trying to teach you anything from that. He didn't want you to go there. You chose to go there. It's a difference in a trial and a temptation. And Paul begins to give us kind of a breakdown. I'm sorry, James begins to give us kind of a breakdown of the difference. So watch this. Trials are good. Temptation's evil, one good, one bad, right? Trials, they draw us towards God. I'm going through something, I need Jesus' help. They draw us to him. Temptation drags us away from him. You know, it's funny, I've been a pastor now for, what is it, like 12 or 13 years or something, and every time that I have uh, people around me that, that are following Jesus and, and I'm, I'm, I spend extra time with them, I can always tell when they've given in to temptation because they start to distance themselves from me because temptation drags you away from God. They stop coming to church, right, because temptation drags us away from God. And so James is saying trials will draw you to him. Temptations will drag you away from him. Then he says trials are God's test. They're God's test. Temptations are a result of your desire your desire. And then we get this interesting process that I wanted to kind of explain a little bit. Trials, he says, starts with suffering, then it goes to perseverance, and then perseverance produces character, and then character produces hope. And when I saw this, I instantly thought about childbirth, okay? Now, bear with me for a second. Uh, women, y'all are the most incredible creation ever in the world um, because of childbirth alone, Okay. <laughs> And uh, men, if you are married or, or in, got uh, someone who you've been in the room before while they gave birth to a child, you, then this makes sense. It starts with suffering, right? You ever been in a hospital room when a lady is giving birth to a child? There's some suffering going on in there. That is a scary place. And I have, I have a weird deal. I don't like to see Darla hurt, so I, it was horrible for me. I, just, I was watching Paul Blart like, can I just please get out of here? Like I was scared to death. And so it starts with suffering. But what, do, what does every woman do in childbirth? They persevere, right? They persevere. Even though it hurts, they just breathe. <laughs> <laughs> they do, I don't know how that helps you, but it seems to help you. And, and, and you persevere through it, right? And then watch, the perseverance builds character. Men, if you ever want your, your wife or, your, or the lady in your life's character to go up a level, watch her give childbirth. Her character, you're just like, man, you're a, in a good word, you're a beast. You know what I mean? Like, wow, it's incredible. It's wild. And then they, here comes baby, and baby's given to mama, and it's hope. And, and I think the reason why mama was able to persevere is because mama knew there was a purpose coming out of it, right? Now, watch it with trials. It starts with suffering. But you choose to persevere. I'm going to get through it. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop. This is hard. This is really difficult. But I'm going to push through. And then character development happens. And you start to go, man, I didn't know, I didn't even know I could do that. Right? Some of you, if, you, if you're a gym worker outers and, and you've done stuff for a while, and then you'll, you'll, you'll kind of raise up your, your level and you do something, you're like, man, I didn't even know I could do that. Right? I was talking to Darla the other day. We did a wedding. And we were driving away from the wedding, and we were talking about different stuff. And I said, babe, we planted a church. Like, like we, we started a church. I didn't even know I could do that. You know what I mean? Like, like when you persevere through things, there's a moment of character evaluation where you go, wow, I didn't even know I could do that. I know you ladies would testify that when, when you finally uh, succeeded with childbirth, you were, you, there was a character development for you. Like, wow, I'm a, I'm a G. You know what I mean? Like, that was inc- incredible. And then, again, as you're going through the trials, suffering, perseverance, character, then there's hope. It's incredible. And this is what James is referring to as the trials that we're going through as Christians. He said, this is how we should view them. You, it's suffering, but you push through, it builds your character. Can can I tell you this, if, if, I think we all have somebody in our life who we would consider to be very spiritual, somebody who is kind of like a, uh, some of us it's grandma, some of us is an old pastor, some of us it's an old spiritual mentor. Can I tell you something, the reason why they are so in our eyes as spiritual is because they've been through a lot of trials, a lot of trials. Because trials develop character. And if we go through life as Christians without trials, our character will be underdeveloped. But then I thought it was interesting that James talks about temptations and he uses a birth illustration. Now, where I'm about to go can be very controversial and very sensitive. So bear with me for a moment. Let me explain. I cannot tell you that this is what James is saying. But this is what I felt like I saw James saying. Okay? James, I'm sorry, put that last slide back up, uh, of, of, the, of the explanation of temptation and trial. He, he takes us through a path similar to trial, enticement, deception, sin, death. And here's what I thought about. You ready? I thought about same thing, childbirth, that would result in a stillbirth or a miscarriage. Now walk with me. I am not in any way comparing these two things. I'm talking about the emotion of, okay? Here's, here's how James responds about temptation. It starts with something that you're hopeful for. It entices your desire. You think you're going to get something. I'm finally going to be fulfilled. I'm finally going to get what I want. I'm finally going to feel good. I'm finally get, right? You have all that, and it goes, and it goes, and it goes. And then there's, there's a lack of fulfillment in sin, and then there's death, and you're at the end of it with nothing that you hoped for. I think we all could say, that's yep, that's the temptation I went through. I got into something thinking I was going to finally get something, and at the end of it, I had nothing. I had nothing. And I just thought about the emotion of a young family who they're pregnant. And they have all this hope and all this, oh, man. And they start to plan all of this in their hearts and in their mind. And they're believing that it's going to bring fulfillment. And they believe that it's going to bring all of this satisfaction. And they get to the very end and there's nothing. There's just disappointment. And again, not the actual act, but the emotion of. And this is what James is saying. There's a total difference between trials and temptation. Trial, though it starts hard, ends with hope. And temptation, though it probably starts easy, ends with disappointment and dissatisfaction. I thought this was a cool ending statement to kind of wrap that up, put that last little verse up for me, that James might say, don't look for ways to justify your sin, sin that will ultimately end in disappointment. Instead, ask God for wisdom to overcome temptation and to find hope. The last two verses, verse 17 and 18, now I don't have it on the screen. I'll read it for you for a moment in my, out of my Bible. Um, I think James knew we've gone a little deep here. <laughs> you know, like, like this is one of those messages where we, we, if you're at Victory Church, we laugh a lot here while, normally while I'm preaching. And, and this can tend to be a difficult and, and heavy subject. And I think James knew that. Like the audience is going to be feeling pretty heavy. We've talked about trials. We've talked about tests. We've talked about temptation. We've talked about death. Like there's not going to be many people talking about pass the Doritos. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is kind of rough. And I love that James in the middle, because, again, for us today it's the end. But for them, it was just the middle of the letter, right? I want to tell you what the, the, the two verses that James said after. He said all of this. Here's what he said, and I'll explain it. He said he, he chose, well, first he said every good and perfect gift is from above. So every good thing in your life is from God. Praise God. So even though God brings trials, and even though God is not the one who brings temptation, but he'll help you overcome temptation, and even though temptation leads to death, and trials start with suffering, all that might be a little bit heavy for you, but hey, all good things come from above. Don't get it twisted. Every good thing is from God. And then he says this, and I love it because when I read it, it's so disguised that you don't quite understand it, but let me break it down. He says, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now when you read that, nothing probably happened in your spirit because that doesn't really make sense to you. But if he was to translate that into our language, here's what he'd be saying. He chose to give us Jesus because we are his prize possession. He chose that when he says give birth through the word, he's talking about Jesus. Despite temptation, despite trials, despite suffering, at the end of the day, God chose to give us Jesus Christ who was born of a virgin, who climbed up on a cross and on that cross he suffered for us so that we could come to him, he took our whippings, he took it all, he died, he went into the, into the grave and then he was resurrected As brought, passed around for our freedom and for our victory and then he says it like this and I love it, he said because we are the first fruits of what he's created. First fruits is where we get the principle of tithing. If you have anything to do with the garden, you know what it's like to get the very first fruit. It's 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 your favorite. It's what you take to your family. In biblical stance, it's what you take to the synagogue and to God. It's the favorite. It's a way of James saying, "You, you, you are God's prized possession." Have you ever looked at a mountain? Or, or the sun or the ocean. I was talking to some of the guys on the dream team earlier, and one guy loves the ocean, one guy loves the sun. We were looking at sunsets. And we look at those things, and we go, oh, that's got to be God's prize creation, right? I mean, have you ever looked at the beach and been like, that's got to be God's number one right there. That's, that's God's number one. Or some of you, you're mountain people. When you go look at the mountain, you're like, man, that's got to be God's number one right there. That, that's tight. That's right. That's got to be God's number one. Some of you see the sunset, right? It's like the red and the weird colors. Like, oh, man, it's got to be God's number one. James said, no, 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 no. all of that fails in comparison to you, to you. Well, my mom said, doesn't matter. Well, my old pastor said, does not matter. James said, it doesn't matter how big of a sinner you are. God gave Jesus up because you are his prized possession. So, yes, there'll be suffering. Yes, there'll be trials. Life's hard. There's a day coming where we won't have to mess with it. But while you're in it, do not depart from it. Do not get away from it. Do not run. Don't you dare call it temptation, but just literally enjoy the fact that God sees you as his favorite of all his creation. Amen. Thanks, James. That's a a good way to get this thing kicked off. I love that it's not at the end of the book. I love that it's just randomly in the middle. And I got a feeling that this is going to be the routine that James takes us through. Truth, grace. Truth, God's love. Life's hard, God's with us. You might have messed up, you got a second chance. You don't know what to do, ask God. At the end of the day, you're his favorite. Lord, I thank you so much for your faithfulness, your love. I thank you that, as James said it, we are the first fruits of your creation. And if nothing else was heard today, I pray that was heard. by every person in this room, they understand that when it comes to your creation, they are your prize possession. And the enemy is going to try to tell them right now that everybody else in this room except for them, no, 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 no. Everybody in this room, you see them as your prize possession. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom that we're going to learn over the next few weeks as we break this down. Thank you for James, for in, in the middle of persecution, he would write these words. And I thank you that this is how we know you're alive and that you are loved, that your child in the middle of persecution thought it would be important to write that you love him. Thank you for that perspective pray you continue to make your word alive to us. I pray that it would continue to soak in this church as we go throughout this summer, wanting to grow in our faith and wanting to get closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said.